Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't get that much. Right. So um, on the topic, we're addressing you as Mr. G. <laughs> um, so just as an introduction, you were one of the most influential teachers that I had growing up. Um, constantly bringing up stories of how you... Um, I think I told you this when I met you at your job, right? Uh, the the gangsters you were teaching, do you remember? <laughs> the negative and positive? Yeah, I had all <laughs> kinds of strategies of doing things. <laughs> right. Um, and that's kind of one thing growing up. I think you were very influential because I always told myself... Growing up, I always had frustration with adults, primarily my parents, but not being able to make them understand... Um, I don't know, wanting to have fun or going out or just it, it felt like adults were so disconnected from me that I said, you know what, Mr. G, he has a technique to spot, speak to young people. It seems like he's young enough to be in both worlds. I, I want to be able to do that. And even before that, I always told myself I, I want to know or remember what it was like to be young so that I don't seem like the asshole adult that's constantly telling people not to do things. Yeah. Um, and so I would constantly bring you up to my girlfriend, to cousins, and well, there was this one teacher, and he, the way he taught math. And actually, I have a puzzle. I don't know if you remember. You had a puzzle just like this. Yours I know, was I something bronze. similar. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. It was a smaller, smaller, smaller rods, version, but it was yeah. like a gold or, or brass. Yeah. And I remember that I learned how to solve this puzzle <laughs> in your class. And then I, I came across uh, one and I'm like, I remember cool. that. I know how to solve that. <laughs> I got to get that. I know how to do that. <laughs> but I, I grew up really obsessed with yeah. puzzles as well. And uh, math was one of my biggest subjects growing up. And mm. even now I, I use math a lot. I work on elevators now. Okay. And there's a lot of electricity. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. You mentioned that. Right. Yeah. So... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming that some of it was there before that, but I, I think that uh, you kind of shaped me in that direction and, and uh, influenced a lot of what I wanted to get into growing up. So mm -hmm. thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing I, I, I hope I accomplished is, because obviously not every student wants to go in that direction with math, uh -huh. but just the idea that it can be fun to learn in general, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes... And I'll be at my work and I'll hear kids say, like, I don't like learning. And just that phrase in general is like, no, right. learning's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, the concept of learning anything right. is fun. Uh -huh. Maybe you don't like this particular subject that the school's making you learn or something, but learning in general, you should be, you know, hungry for it. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Which is one thing also that a lot of the people that I talked to uh, found that they were into... I'm, a lot of times it's books because normally you're told what books to read. Yeah. But I found myself actually going out and purchasing books that I was forced to read in high school because I, I look back and I'm like, the the Handmaid's Tale, that was like an apocalyptic, weird future that we were yeah. forced to read. I got to buy that again. And I, I get to actually dissect it now and understand what the message really was about mm -hmm. the government and control and everything that that book, 1984, Fahrenheit 9-11. Mm -hmm. There's so many books yeah. that are instrumental especially if you want to have a skeptical mind and understand where conspiracy theories come from 
it's instrumental that you understand because a lot of them were written by people that were at the top controlling and a lot of the institutes that shaped and controlled people the way they are. Um, one of the things that I wanted to uh, ex um, explain was if you look at the word government, if you break it down to its Latin root, it basically means control the mind. Govern is to control, to regulate, mm -hmm. and ment comes from dementia or mental. Mm -hmm. So it means it control mind. mind. Right. It's kind of an easy tool to explain when you're trying to get into like what we're doing now. Yeah. You can't just walk up to somebody at a party, so what do you think of Kennedy? Or what do you think of 9-11? <laughs> they, they'll shun you immediately. Yeah. So down. yeah, they, they'll just turn the other way and they're like, oh, what a weirdo. But if you start to explain, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm really into researching um, unknown things. Oh, like what? Well, here's one. Did you know that? And you explain that government thing and it really opens their mind and then they're a little bit more, uh, at least you have um, an avenue to try to start getting them to understand where you're coming from. Because right. if you, it, like I was saying earlier, before we were recording, the... 9-11 you it's almost such a taboo subject um the concentration camps there's a lot of event kennedy assassination there's a lot of things that happen that you got to be really careful before you bring that up in mm -hmm. a in a meeting in a in yeah. uh, when you're surrounded by a bunch of people that you're you don't know that well um because you're going to be labeled a kook very fast and they're there you're just not going to get anywhere yeah. um, it's almost safer sometimes to not bring it up especially if you're like at work or certain places yeah, yeah certain places i i wouldn't bring it up uh and then the other places where you do feel it's kind of safe it has to be so gradual mm -hmm. you know? right you gotta yeah. slowly lead into it mm -hmm. right you know? um and but the, the thing is that a lot of the theories, they're really not that far out there. If you follow the avenue of how they got to that, mm -hmm. um, at least you could almost speculate where it's going too far because there's there's always the conspiracy the, and there's a path that takes you a little bit too far. And that's when you get into like, um, I don't know if you believe in them or not, but like when you get into like the reptilians and a lot of the really far out mm, stuff out there. A lot of fringe stuff. You gotta, right. Yeah, you got to really go slow getting right. into those yeah. areas. There's uh, space safe weapons, uh, technology that they claim that they used on 9-11 to bring the towers down. There's a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that, uh, in my opinion, the the easiest way because i mean it, it was written about um the easiest way to control a group is you, you go ahead of them and you lead them you don't try to stop the movement itself hmm. you guide them into a trap interesting so it, rather than try to tell people no 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 the kennedy assassination didn't go like this you start bringing up theories like what if the driver turned around and shot kennedy what if there was another shooter what if some guy was in a manhole cover like I, I've discovered yeah, so many those theories. Are all the that ones are, I, right? <laughs> wow, you have done your research. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, at the same time, some of them are not that ridiculous, but others are just so far out there that you really need to break down. Okay, so that research leads them to start to believe this, and yeah. there's certain things that kind of support it, but you're too far out. You, and I think that most conspiracy theories are somewhere in the middle. They're not the extreme side where the guy that wears the tinfoil hat is, and it's not the government side. Because clearly, most people that disagree with me, especially with 9-11, 
um, I at least get them to the point to understand that what the government is telling us is wrong. Mm -hmm. And once we're at that point, at least we're in the medium point and saying, well, clearly that's not true. I don't know what is, and we probably will never know, but we can just start narrowing our choices and saying what it really cannot be. Right. At least now they're open to, okay, I'm willing to listen to some other possibilities. Right. Because mm -hmm. this has obviously got some holes in it. Right. Know? Because if they're so invested in the official story, then it's not even worth pursuing something yeah. further than that. So mm -hmm. you kind of just feel the ground out at that moment. And if it looks like they, they're really not taking that information to heart or really opening their mind to it, then it's not even worth your time. You yeah. just say, it. well, it's a crazy thing that I read about. Well, anyway, see you later. You don't want to go further than that if, if they're not willing to follow you into that and start listening to actual evidence. Yeah. That's why it's always tricky to 9 11 start. is just so different from so many other interesting mysteries because, like you said, that propaganda in the media where they tied this, you know, true Americans and, and um, you know, um, terrorism. Mm -hmm. and it was just these two, you know, black and white, terrorism and a, a true American, you know, right. our freedom. Uh -huh. And that's why you bring that up and... It's just been put into the public's mind. You know, Bush right. has drilled this in, you know, patriotism mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Right. And to question anything, you were questioning your patriotism mm -hmm. and and freedom. And and you must be a supporter of the terrorists. If you're, if exactly. you're not a fan of Bush, then mm -hmm. you must be a fan of them. Those are only the two extremes. Uh -huh. It's like, no, I'm just trying to see what really happened. Right. And I don't know if I believe what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. And just by... Oh, gosh. And it, it also is a formula that you can see evidence for evolving from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, originally it was a, a witch hunt. Oh, she's a witch, she's a witch, and they hunt you down. Then it was like during the Cold War, it was all about having traitors. World War II, it was all mm -hmm. about the, the let's gather all the Japanese. They might be working with them and right. we, we get camps here. And then that evolved into somebody that's anti-American or somebody that's a terrorist. So that term went from witch to traitor to terrorist. Mm -hmm. And it's just a constant evolution. But most conspiracy theories are, um, how would you say, they're so... It's almost like they're so involved that you you can't really be an expert at anything unless you really dedicate a large part of your life to investigate every single aspect. Yeah. And I think that by doing that, they control the official story because regardless of whatever we believe and what the evidence points at, all the books that we'll encounter from this point forward are always going to say extremist terrorists hijacked four planes on this morning and crashed them into buildings. There's not going to be any, there's, uh, there's actually even a New York Times article where, it's either New York Times or LA Times, where they show that 9-11 had a fire drill the moment before it was hit by a plane. Mm -hmm. So that starts to make you think because um, the, one of the friends that I have from New York, he was talking to a couple and they said, you see that little girl on the, on the swing? She's a 9-11 survivor. And he, he's kind of like, what? What do you mean? So he uh, asked them and they said, on that morning, we were trying to go up the tower to wherever it was that they were going. And he says, and they stopped us. They said that there was a fire drill and nobody was allowed in the building. And then he stopped them and he said, think about what you're telling me right now. Like, this is the research that I'm uh, involved in. And you're supporting that we don't really know if anybody died on those towers. And like I was saying before, the, the 
actual footage, if you look at, there's a, a handful of things that I point at people and when I send them back to the 9-11 footage, mm-hmm. they have new tools to see how true it really is. And uh, I'll give you two. One, think of any time through any of that raw footage that you saw maybe even anywhere close to 100 people walking through the streets. If we're told that there was, well, it was something like close to 10,000 people that were in that building, depending on whatever time and whoever was there, but there's constantly a flow of traffic. There was never a, a shot of footage where you saw hundreds and hundreds of people running out the building. It's always they're kind of meandering and they're kind of just, uh, I don't know, just walking around and they're like, oh, look at the building and the camera's going up. And it, but it's never showing people running for their lives. Mm. It's almost more like a movie set. Yeah. So that's one to look at next time you see it. The other one is, and I give people this example, it's very difficult to, to dismiss because you can look at evidence. If a car runs by our street right now, the car flies by and after there's a tunnel the displacement of air that that car is causing. So the car will fly by and then you see a trail of leaves that it's dragging behind it. Now, when the plane, which is, we're told was going about 500 miles an hour when it hit the building, which is impossible at that height, but let's leave that aside for now. The experts say that it's impossible. And, and you, when you get on a flight, you can see the speed. You have to climb a certain altitude to get to five or 600 miles per hour you never increase that speed when you're close to the ground. Yeah. So supposedly the, the way that the plane is, it wouldn't actually handle that speed at that height. Something about the air and atmosphere and everything. Well, anyway, so when this plane hits, it's more like a Looney Tunes cartoon because if you think about it, most plane crashes, the minute that the, the center part, the, it's called the fuselage, right? Fuselage. As soon as that hits, the wings fold over. Because think about how heavy those engines are. You're and we're this talking is how about, it's designed or this is what's in This the is what happens in most plane crashes. Oh, okay. But when you look at the footage for 9-11, you see the plane hit and it's almost like a puff of smoke in the outline of the plane. Like, for example, the wings have like a, a puff of dust when it impacts. The wing is hollow and it's made out of aluminum. What would be causing that much damage to go through concrete? I don't care how fast you throw a, a soda can, you're never going to make it go through solid steel yeah. or steel beams. Um, and they've done measurements where they show that the fuselage is definitely bigger. It's almost the height of two floors. So there's no way that you can a- a explain that it went between two floors and it happened to go the other end. That's not possible. Yeah. So when you look at it, you don't see that gust of wind. The, the plane impacts and then the dust comes out and then it starts to rise up because of the smoke and the fuel and everything that burned up, you don't see a gust of wind that followed the plane behind it. And it, it, like I said, it's it's more like uh, a Looney Tunes cartoon than anything else. And not only that, but we believe in the, uh, the guys that I talked to on the podcast, we believe that there's a lot of programming that happens in the media because they know how powerful the new comic book movie is because millions of people are gonna see it. So if we make it pro military, then we know that people are going to, they might even start joining the military. I know that a lot of military movies make spikes in people joining the military because you see the story of the hero with the gun carrying the butt, his butt right. on, the, on his shoulders and they, you want to be that guy. So you sign up and, oh yeah, we got to get these terrorists. So it, it's clearly the media is always a, a form of control. There's always... Uh, a message that they're trying to push 
And um, if you remember the, the, it's sometime in the 90s, uh, Independence Day, remember the Will mm -hmm. Smith movie? Remember that movie? There's a shot where it's an upshot of the building when the UFO is actually hitting them and blowing up the whole building. Well, the explosions happen from top to bottom. There's a 9-11 mm, yeah. shot where that's happening. Yeah. Now, it's not possible for an explosion to go from top to bottom. It, it was hit by a plane, and they say that the fuel went to the bottom, burned up, and caused the steel to weaken, and that's what brought down the building. That's not what we saw. We didn't see the bottom give way. We saw the top give way, boom, 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 and then it all came down. It's like a demolition. Mm -hmm. So there's, I, I think that in having a skeptical mind and looking at the what's presented to us you can usually decode what it is that they're they're doing uh, like we were talking about the japanese tsunami there's a lot of events like that where all you need to do is just dismiss everything use your own logic and and really dissect what it is that they're showing you yeah. and a lot of times it falls apart um i also uh, actually this guy um, was one of the first guys that, that introduced it to me, Jan Irving. He did research on uh, something called the trivium. Have you ever come across that? Mm -mm. Um, the trivium is, it's, uh, I believe it was Aristotle that uh, originated all the, the structure of it. But it's basically a pyramid <coughs> that by, by having these tools in your brain, you have almost like an antivirus for bullshit. In a, in a nutshell, that's really what it is. Um, and I, I can kind of explain it in my own ways, just so that you understand. Um, it's grammar, logic, and rhetoric. So grammar, you need to understand what it is that we're talking about. So like in this podcast, we're gonna discuss UFOs. So the, the correct way to start it would be, what is your definition of UFO? And then what is my definition? And if we can't meet on some sort of agreement, then the discussion is pointless because we haven't set the ground rules to what we're right. getting into. So that's the grammar stage. Once you know what it is that you're talking about, you go to rhetoric and that's where you're dissecting it and uh, getting information and taking out contradictions. Anything that contradicts is basically a sign that one of the two at least is wrong. There cannot be any contradictions on that stage. And then the final one is the rhetoric, and that's when you output your information. So you come out with your thesis. I think that 9-11 happened such and such, right. and that's where you're, you're expelling your rhetoric. You're formulating your idea that you gathered information, you're forming something, and you created an, uh, a, a thought that you, um, that you believe based on the evidence presented to you. So if you think about it, um, that and the fact that I don't know if you ever dabble in um, a lot of the Buddhist things with meditation and your inner you and the outer world. I've been interested, but haven't been uh, okay. able to get into it. That that kind of helps how to explain it as well, because the, it, actual philosophers have uh, pointed out that in in so many words, there is an inner world that the way that your consciousness works, there's an inner world that you create and then there's an outer world that is presented to you. Now, when either of those two are clashing, something is wrong. And usually that's a sign that you're being lied to. So for example, in the Sandy Hook uh, bombing, I mean the, uh, the uh, what is it, the other one, the one that happened in the marathon, um, Boston, oh, okay. the Boston yeah. bombing. Okay, there was a guy that supposedly got his legs blown off. Um, 
most nurses and probably any doctor will agree that if you sever the huge artery that you have on your leg, mm. you wouldn't last very long at all. Yeah, because that's a huge... Right. And it, the thing is that there's even order. nurses that, that my friend from New York, um, Mark, he was uh, next to a girl that actually, as a career, she worked as a nurse. And she's watching the guy that supposedly lost his leg. And he's, she's like... We've been taught that within minutes you would bleed out. That guy's just sitting there with a blown out leg perfectly fine. That doesn't make sense. So he's observing that she's noticing that something in the logic step, grammar, logic, rhetoric, isn't making sense. But rather than, than question the story, she questions her own knowledge. Mm. And the, the other part of, of that process as well is using your five senses. So if you investigate and you smell something that doesn't match, then that should raise some flags. So, um, okay, so what I was getting at is if that inner world, if, I'll give you the two examples. If the inner world doesn't match the outer world, then you're hallucinating. So you took magic mushrooms, you're on acid, something doesn't match because you're seeing a little elf in the corner of the room and you know logically there's no way that an elf is standing in the corner of the room. If the outer world doesn't match your inner world, you're being lied to. So it's almost like a road that you have to stay in the perfect center to understand what you can expect. Because this is kind of where religion comes from. That's another subject that I love getting into. And I I've have hours and hours of information on that um, we can explore as well in the future. But um, with religion they're skipping those steps rather than explaining to you how it is that their beliefs came about they're telling you this is how it is mm -hmm. this book is, is the, the truth exactly faces so big they're part skipping of it. I'm like yeah but i got questions uh -huh. they're skipping grammar and they're going right to the logic and they're just force feeding you the information and you're shunned if you want to i, I mean you're you're ridiculed if you're trying to go back to step 1 and figure things out yeah because you don't question well why is it god why was the bible written by god who where's the evidence right. they don't have the evidence so they want you to skip the evidence part and go straight the same thing as commercials they're they're trying to sell you a way of life they're trying to make you think that this product will make you happy because you're not happy now so you're buying the happiness you're not buying the product you're buying that you're you want to be that guy that looks sharp and is attracted to the women because that's what the Budweiser commercial is showing you yeah. you don't care about the beer really it's more about the image and, and it, it's trying to fit you into something that you really didn't uh, you really don't need and they're, they're trying to skip all that and make you okay this is what you want why don't worry about that this is what you want that makes you happy yeah um so so yeah uh with um i forgot where i was going with the religion thing um <laughs> it, it it's kind of interesting that it, it's almost like they all kind of start to merge together because religion almost um ties into ufos and aliens to an extent okay mm -hmm. uh, especially and i saw that pin i just noticed it that's so cool the uh it's, it's an, an egyptian thing yeah. right <laughs> um did you ever happen to watch the ancient aliens debunked no no i i think i i would be okay with maybe watching a little bit here and there on YouTube or something, but I'm uh -huh. not going to spend money on something that no, it, I it, already fully believe in. Uh -huh. And 
I mean, there's been a couple where someone pointed out to me, like, you know, I think someone's like, hey, you know, they, they debunked that or this or that. Uh-huh. And sometimes they'll have a, sometimes they'll have a good point to some degree, and other mm-hmm. times they'll like nitpick. Like he said, it have he said that there was four thousand sightings and there was only three. You know, like they they'll uh-huh. play with numbers or something. Right. I'm just like well, that's not important, you know. Mm-hmm. Or he said it happened on December fifth, a Wednesday. Well, December fifth was actually on a Thursday, so he's lying. I'm like, oh, you're gonna <laughs> right. jet on that, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's what I've seen a lot of times on the debunked stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I remember seeing that on. Maybe Amazon or something. Okay. They actually made a video, right? Yeah, Debunking you could find ancient it. aliens or something. I think on YouTube you could find it. Because I was a little bit curious about it because I think they do good presentations. They seem mm-hmm. to really, you know, back up what they are saying and stuff. But uh, I think I do remember seeing it and I thought about it. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to spend money on it though. Right. You know? Yeah. And if it's not on there, I could give you a copy. I'll burn What'd it. What do you think? Did they make some good points? Uh, yes, they do. But... Um, the way I see it, I because I'm constantly looking up. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, just like every scholar out there, I'm trying to figure out what really happened. Where where did humanity originate? Ooh, Are we that really topic now, yeah. right? Because there's such that's a what this gap. show has been heading toward. Exactly, but it, it see, they the also thing went is, gradual. You notice the topics they had in season one. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I have the whole collection. Uh-huh. I haven't bought season six part two yet but I have season six part one so I have them all and you know they slowly led up to this Uh you know the what was it the not the the Syrians but the the Nephilim who are they saying that made humanity the oh the Anunnaki Anunnaki Uh yeah right they didn't mention them too early and when they did on the early seasons there was just a brief mention mm-hmm. now it's as you progress they're getting more and more like Anaki made humanity right. Anaki you know and it's uh-huh. like ooh they're really testing the waters right here. and it's shocking that for two reasons one it's coming from history channel and they got a good reputation mm-hmm. it's not some little you know fly by night company so History Channel, good rep doing this and that they've gone this long six mm-hmm. seasons now it's still going right yeah, and I, it surprised me. I'm just like, ooh, they're really getting daring. Even if the the leap to ancient alien, because sometimes they do say, well, we don't really know, so mm. maybe alien. Yeah. To be fair to them, they do usually say, then is there a possibility? Like Giorgio yeah. Super yeah. constantly. So yeah. it's like saying. He's basically playing it safe and saying that we don't really know, but yeah. with how technology is going, what makes us think that there wasn't an advanced mm-hmm. uh, thing? But it, and then they point to, look, this civilization talks about it. This old uh-huh. civilization mentions this. I right. Mean, that's, that's strong evidence, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You know, it's not yeah. just some one little random thing. Yeah. It's like all these different locations around the world, all these different cultures are, are saying this kind of mm-hmm. uh, same idea. You're right. Like, well, that's good evidence. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Okay. You were, you were saying, do you want to ask me about some of my theories? Mm-hmm. Well, one of them being that I'm starting to question my religion. Okay. And that's just like, whoa, you know, because I've always grown up believing certain things and now I'm starting like, hmm, I don't know, you know. What, what were you raised well, mom was pretty cool. I mean, my dad died when I was early, but mom was pretty cool about, hey, you know, I'm fine with you investigating or, re- you know, just because okay. mom was born as like a Protestant, you know, so pretty much Christianity beliefs. Okay. Um, she never got on our case if we wanted to like, hey, I wonder what, you know, Eastern okay. religions are about. And, I see. Because my brother Danny, a little older than me, he was fascinated with Egyptian, you know, mm-hmm. lifestyle and their whole thing. And Okay. 
And she was like, fine, you know. You know. Mm -hmm. She didn't push anything. She didn't push us to go to church, although she, I think, did want us to just try and have some kind of a religious lifestyle of some okay. sort, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the most current thing with me, with the UFOs, is it's starting to cause me to question some religious aspects that I've had. Okay. And... That's just like, ooh, I don't you know, it's a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, because when, when you're set in your beliefs, then you can almost like relax a little bit. Right. You know, the way you live, you, you've, you've already figured it out. Like, these are the guidelines and rules. Uh -huh. And now that I'm questioning that, then I'm kind of uneasy now. Right. It's just like, I'm not sure, am I doing the right thing? Is this, <laughs> you know, and so that's that's been an interesting part right. of my interest in UFOs is it's caused me to now question because I do think that there's some good evidence that is making me question my right. religion. You know? And I wonder if that really would shake things up. I mean, if there was uh, unrefutable evidence of life outside this planet, then what would... Because it, it, it seems like religion is kind of trying to jump ahead of it and say, well, any creatures of the universe are under God. God mm -hmm. still blesses them. And the Pope was... I was going to say, I knew like you, you knew about the whole right. Catholic Church So it's almost forward. like they, they're like, okay, we don't know, but just in case, yeah, let's not let Yeah, because they this... said, if there is life, that doesn't go against the Catholic beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that was shocking. You right, know? right. And the show talked about it, too. Mm -hmm. you know, they said, ooh, that was a big move. Um, I don't know if you want to jump into it but there is one guy that actually i learned about through this guy um his name is man i'm gonna forget his name and i'm doing research now oh joe atwell because i i want to interview him on on the podcast yeah um he's doing research where he's trying to find the origins of the actual scriptures the the bible and the um dead sea scrolls and yeah. i i believe no, I don't think he had to do with the deciphering of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but I'm not positive. But anyway, he found this uh, book, which is called The War of the Jews. It's basically uh, depicting the um, the Roman Empire's conquest of Judea. And there was a family that, uh, there was a guy that was adopted into the family of the Caesars. And his name is uh, Flavius. Flavius was adopted into it and basically the Gospels following the life of Jesus match almost story point by story point the structure of the story of the Bible with the War of the Jews. Mm. So really the, the Messiah, the, the Christ is Flavius. And uh, I mean, he's pinpointing things back and forth, showing you, okay, this event took place this way. This is the exact same thing that happened there. And it's almost like the whole conspiracy thing, because rather than what they were trying to do, and this is where it gets really interesting, what they were trying to do is really control the Jews and make them be under their control. So rather than, of course, you can do that by force, but you can do it a little more smart by creating a, a scripture where rather than saying 
stand up and fight for your own beliefs. It says, wait for your Messiah. Turn the other cheek. Give Caesar what is his. And it, it, it pacifies this yeah, whole people. A less hostile method of doing it. And not only that, but there's evidence that Christianity was, was an amalgam of all the beliefs that were at the time. There's so many temples where there was a pagan temple and right next to it they created a, a Catholic, a Christian church. Yeah. And they worshiped. And a lot of the dates that were used in, for the religion were adapted to match with paganistic um, ceremonies and, and holidays that they celebrated. So they said, oh, Jesus, yeah, this guy was born on, on December, whatever, mm -hmm. as well. Um, but it, that and that's also why, because I, I know that anytime I talk to people about this kind of stuff, I come across it. Um, one of the things that he uncovers that, frankly, it got me into it is, um, you've heard of Jordan Maxwell as well, right? Do you know who that is? I don't think Jordan so. Maxwell. Um, he's one of the first ones to introduce the astrotheology aspect of our religion is basically the stars, the astrological bodies. Um, formed into a story and made into the Gospels. So mm. there's a lot of different aspects that are put into it. But uh, one of the examples that I always give people is um, we're in, oh, I guess we're still, we're still winter, right? I'd um, say so. The, the, the winter solstice, the date when the sun is reaching its lowest point in the sky, because, you know, it, it's constantly going down, yeah. then it's winter, and then it starts to come back up and it becomes spring. On December 20... I hope I don't butcher this. On December 22nd, the sun reaches its lowest point in the sky. For three days, it stays at this exact point. So our risen Savior, the sun, or sun dies on the cross, which it forms a cross in the sky, dies on the cross for three days. On the third day, he resurrects. He moves up one degree, and that's the start of spring. So mm. our Savior brings life back to the world. And I can, I can imagine it almost as a, maybe back then, before there was written word, they always panicked. They saw the sun going down. Hey, guys, you guys notice it's getting a little cold? And they forget that last year it was just a perfect cycle. Look, the sun's not going to keep going down and kill us. It gets to a point and it comes back. Okay, let's figure that out into a story. And that way we can present the story. Almost that's how you tell stories for children. Things, right. Yeah. And it, not only that, but there's even evidence that shows that um, Santa Claus is connected to it. Because Santa Claus is basically the prequel to Christ. If you think about Santa Claus is the guy that could see everything. He could Knows bend the rules of nature. Exactly. And then once you, you're ready to give up the idea of Santa Claus, you're ready to jump right into the idea of Christ, which is basically the exact same thing. The guy, the guy that knows everything, he could punish yeah. you. He does. And, but now it's like a character for the adults. It's an easy transition. Right. Uh, I, growing up, I started questioning it um, sometime around high school. And for me, it was a, a lot more difficult because my parents were very religious. Mm -hmm. So trying to get them to understand, like, automatically when you say things like, I don't believe in the Bible, they jump, like you were saying earlier, they jump to, what are you, a Satanist? And it's like, no, 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 it's not like that. I want to open myself to other religions. So uh, it all started when I went to uh, LAX and there was a... Uh, a Buddhist, um, Hare Krishna, mm -hmm. Buddhist, right? 
uh, and he gave me a book. He's like, oh, uh, here, I have a book on, on my beliefs. I, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it. And he handed it to me. He's like, uh, we usually ask for a donation to cover the price of the book. And I'm like, oh, dude, I, I barely even have any cash. I give him a couple bucks and he's like, um, I understand you're a student. You probably don't have a lot of cash. That, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, wow, he's still cool that I didn't pay him enough for the book. Yeah. So I started reading it and it was... Um, Hindu scriptures on uh, Sir Prabla, uh, I don't know the exact name, but it was a, a great thinker, a philosopher for that time. And so I told myself, when I finish this book, I'm going to decide whether I'm religious or not. And I kind of put it off. I guess I was afraid to <laughs> meet that because that, that's deadline. <laughs> the way I describe it is I tell people that it's almost as if I want to know what the color of this room is, but I have to step out of it before. So I was in uh, tied into Catholicism, but I wanted to know if any of the others were BS or if they were all BS. And I said, well, I have to start at the center first and then listen to all the people that are yelling out like, I have the truth. Those guys are sending you to hell. And, but the thing is, everybody's saying that. So mm -hmm. I'm in the middle kind of wondering like, well, and not to mention that if I step away from this one, they say that I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. So it's scary enough to just say, well, I don't know what I believe. That's a big leap. Because I, I don't know if you know, but when you um, question the existence of the Holy Ghost, that's the one sin that can never be forgiven. So if you think about mm. it, the one thing that's the weakest part of the Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, yeah. the Holy Ghost is the weakest link. So that's where you attach the, the taboo don't question this part because this is the weakest part mm. that we won't forgive you if you question that so that makes the whole thing as a whole stronger um so and then there's other evidence for it as well like uh at the end this this is from jordan maxwell's research as well um the disciples ask christ when they're having the last supper where will you be when when the end of time comes the translation is actually the end of the age so it's an eon that they're using, but they translated it to the end of time. So it makes it sound like it's apocalyptic, like everything's going to be destroyed. Yeah. But really in the Bible, what they're saying is when the age, when your age ends, where will, will everything go? And let, let me go back a, a second. Um, when Christ first arrived, everybody was praying to, I believe it's a golden ox. And out of the astrological signs, you have, uh, I forget if it's Aries or it's either the ram or the ox. And then you have Pisces and then you have Aquarius. Okay. Pisces, the symbol is the two fish, right? right? Which is the exact symbol for Christ. There's symbology in him giving fishes and feeding an army of people mm -hmm. with only two fish or whatever it was. Right. Feeding Everything that's multitude. associated. Right. And not only that, but he arrives and they're worshiping the old astrological sign. And he says, no, 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 you're, worships, you're worshiping a false idol. Worship me. I am your Lord. I am sent by the, the grand... Uh, the Masons call it the grand architect of the universe. Like he created everything. Well, he's my dad. He sent me. Yeah. Worship me. So what the disciples are asking is they're saying, when your age ends, meaning when the age of Pisces, because age, eon, Pisces, when the age of Pisces ends, what will we do? And he says, don't worry. And you can find it verbatim. I believe it, it's in this book as well. It says, um, when the age is over, I, I will be with you till the end of the age. At that point, my father's houses are plentiful. Go to the house with the man with the pitcher of water. 
in front of it. Aquarius. Aquarius. So basically all his he's saying is this, and that, that ties into the ancient aliens theory, the 2,750 year that it, our, our, I don't know if you know about this. The, the solar system has movement within the, the um, cosmos and we're basically going in reverse through the different constellations. That's where they think that the grand, great flood, there's a theory also that we have a dwarf star and eventually that dwarf star is going to come around our sun. Mm. It screws everything up. Our poles might flip. Yeah. It might cause floods. It might change a lot of things. And that's what the biblical accounts are, are writing. Um, and by the way, I'm stating just what I know. I, I'm still kind of in the middle because it's so tricky to really say I believe it, I don't believe it. Yeah. Um, but so that 2,750 year um, age is basically just a, a cycle. It's just a, a 12, um, 12 gap uh, or 12, uh, how would you say? The 12, he calls it houses in the Bible, but mm -hmm. it, it's the, the, the whole sky. So it's almost like in the scripture, they're also telling you, well, in, in the solar system, where we're at is at this point. And that kind of ties into the, like the Giza pyramids, supposedly the alignment kind of goes right, with, Sirius and, with Sirius. So that's how you can tell when was this built? Well, go back with your computers in the future and map out when those two were aligned. That's mm -hmm. when it was built. Or at least that's what we built it to signify yeah. that exact date. Um, the thing is, though, and this is where I'm kind of uh, in the middle, is that with a, a lot of the, the things that we're told, it seems like there's a common theme into making us think that um, our ancestors were less evolved than we would expect. Like we're always told hunter-gatherer that they didn't have any. And I think to an extent, the ancient alien theory... After the Bible, they're always saying the simple man, mm -hmm. the simple fisherman. Right. But a lot of it is kind of signifying that... We were just hunter-gatherers. Like, there's no way. And you know about Gobegli Tepe, of course, since uh -huh. you've seen the ancient aliens. Yeah. What is that? Like 12,000 years that they're dating? And they're, they're, there's Right. So the Sphinx has watermarks on the back. Uh, Robert Schock and uh, I forget the other archaeologist uncovered. Mm -hmm. And now they're building actual walls to protect it and, and to mask, to cover the evidence of water, mm -hmm. which the only other time was like somewhere about that, right? Like 12,000 years yeah. that there was even rain there. So I, th I, I think that, first of all, I don't think that it's out there to think that there's life outside this planet. But at the same time, I think that we, we owe a little credit to our ancestors. I think that we might have reached maybe even farther than we're at today. We were at that technological uh, intelligence. Right, the whole Atlantis stories, right. you know. Mm -hmm. and, and really, in the end, what would happen? I don't know if you remember. I think it was on History Channel 2. There was a, a show, um, When We're Gone, or something along those lines, where it covers... Okay, this is a concrete building. Based on how it's built, the structure itself, how long would it last? Mm. And most of our, our architecture in the world would only last, it wouldn't even last 100 years. Con concrete just falls apart, rebar, yeah. rust, everything just, there, there's very little that is surrounding us right now that would be here 100 years if we're not here to take care of it and cover it up with paint and mm -hmm. fix things. Very good point. Meaning there wouldn't be much I vaguely remember when that show was on. 
Which one? That's yeah. Some kind of special about, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. When we're gone or how long these things uh-huh. last. I, I remember yeah. the previews were interesting. So, yeah, and uh, and even in, in filling that gap too, there's the, I believe it's called the Clovis tribe, which is the one, the tribe that walked down the Bering Strait to ultimately become uh, American Indians. Okay. And that kind of, I, if I remember correctly, it was somebody that was a religious, um, super religious guy, and he paid for research on uh, DNA samples to try to prove that we were all um, brothers at one point. So he's trying to date back and prove that the Bible yeah. is true. And that's kind of what he uncovered, that Native Americans uh, here are tied into other parts of the world. That Yes, we are all kind of connected, and a lot of the ancient aliens theory points at Mesopotamia, ancient Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, yeah. as the birthplace of our planet. Mm. Um, but but it, it's... <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one more theory, and then I'll <laughs> let you talk. I, I kind of get a little <laughs> uh, um, excited with this stuff. Getting all there. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, there's a, a thought that I had the other day. I was thinking, because a lot of the, the ancient aliens suggest that we were created as a slave race to mm-hmm. mine for gold and to yeah. certain things. Um, and that's why we're not at the mental capacity of them. And they, actually, even the Bible kind of supports that because uh, with the Garden of Eden, God wasn't angry that we were going to, um, I don't know, do something bad or that we were going to be sinners. He, the, the fear was, and I, I don't know if you remember this. He said, if you eat of that, that fruit, if you eat the tree of knowledge, yeah. it, the, the, what you gain out of it is you get the understanding of God's. So if you think about it, mm. that's one of the things that I would point out to my mom when I would uh, start to get her to understand that, look, I'm just questioning it. I'm not saying it's evil or that I don't believe it. I'm just, I'm skeptical about it. And I was telling her, what kind of father would want his children to stay ignorant? Mm. That's where the theory comes out that Lucifer is the good guy. He's a bringer of light. And there's a lot of scriptures, not only what we know now, but there's a lot of others that talk about the great flood. That he was the, trying to the bringer some, of light yeah, tried to save us. Things, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, I, that came out just recently mm-hmm. uh, that I had, I'd never heard of that, that storyline of mm-hmm. Lucifer and that, you know, He's always been written up as this bad guy. Right. But now they're but saying it, researchers have found that maybe he was actually a good guy trying to do, uh-huh. you know, bring knowledge. And to not him. only that, but I, I have a podcast where this, uh, I guess he's a Bible scholar, and he went and pinpointed every moment in the Bible when uh, Lucifer was mentioned, and he's never mentioned literally in, in a bad light. What he his character really portrays is almost like a security guard or a police officer. What he would do is he would try to reveal any hypocritical followers to Christ. Hmm. So he would say like, "Hey, this guy's lying. He doesn't really blah blah." blah. Like the story of Job. It was a I guy was about that to say probably right. Job. Yeah. So he wasn't. He was allowed to cause all these. Well, he things believes for him. in you because he hasn't had a tough right. life. Let me right. make it tough. So he challenged it. Wow. God proved him wrong and then rewarded Job for being the good follower that he knew that he was. Yeah. But uh, Lucifer was always trying to uphold the word of the Lord. If there was something that was contradicting the word of the Lord, he would point it out. So to somebody that's a hypocrite about their beliefs he would look like a bad guy because he's saying, hey, look, God, this guy's doing the opposite of what you told him to. So he's basically the snitch. Yeah. But he's never, 
um, depicted as like a like a demon or like a monster or hurting innocent people. Mm-hmm. He was almost like the regulator. He made sure that everything right. matched the word of what it was supposed to do. So it, it's kind of um, tricky that. What I find interesting talking about that topic mm-hmm. is he must be someone that God um, valued his opinion, you know. Right. Because he's like, okay, you're right, I will test out Joe. Uh-huh. Whereas if he was some little, you know, right. minion, whatever, then yeah. it's like, get out of here, idiot. Mm-hmm. Or if he's a bad guy, why are you even talking to him? Right. But he somehow valued his opinion like, hey, that's a good point. Okay, I will t- I'll, I'll let you ch- do those bad things to him and let's challenge him. Uh-huh. So he somehow respected his opinion in some way. Right. Which means he's kind of an important person. At yes. least God sees him as, okay... So that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. It's you almost know? like he instilled doubt in God. He made him question Job. And, and yeah. he pointed out a couple things. He's like, well, let me prove you wrong, but I'll, I'll show you firsthand why yeah, it is Yeah, it's almost wrong. like God's advisor or something. Like, you know, you would have like a lawyer right. friend talking uh-huh. to you about something. You know? and, and it gets tricky because uh, Zachariah Ch- Sitchin, the mm-hmm. guy that actually deciphered the... the um, Sumerian tablets, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, issues that other uh, translators of the text, they have problems with his translations. And a lot of it had to do with uh, like the Nephilim. uh, I believe that they translate to emissaries, but he changes it to those that that from above came or something like that. But even in saying that Sitchin got these translations wrong, like you said earlier, there's many other uh, um, writings, other beliefs that depict the exact same thing. Where yeah. they say these, some people call them angels, some people call them godly spirits, they're emissaries, they're Nephilim, whatever it is that you want to call them. Most people are talking about a higher conscious being that's coming down, mating with man, with Homo sapien, and God getting angry and wiping the earth clean and trying to right all the wrongs. Mm. Which, I don't know, it, it, it's tricky because, I mean, I could say Sitchin is full of crap and he got all the translations wrong, but there is something there, something that, that makes you question, okay, um, the, okay, and here's the other part. Now here's the other side that kind of pulls me back to the center again. If you think of the like Noah's Ark, um, the ancient aliens um, point out that maybe it wasn't the physical an- animal. Maybe they're just getting DNA of mm-hmm. each species yeah, so that, that they can repopulate. When you look at it that way, it, almost what they're doing is they're bringing you right back to religion, which is something that's not that concrete. I mean, people hold it because they have an emotional attachment to it. But when you look at actual evidence, it kind of starts to fall apart when you look at it skeptically. Um, and objectively, you, you're looking at it as an object. You're not attached to it. Look at it for what it is, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't hold much ground. But um, the ancient alien theory seems like it's a reboot of the Christian faith because now instead of the angle of, well, Christ walked on water, Christ did all these miracles that we can't prove today and we have no evidence for except for what's written in the book, they're using a technological angle to it because now we do have gods. Now they do come down. But instead of coming down in fiery chariots, now they come down in rockets. So it's adapted to our, um, our world today. Instead of saying a 
golden chariot or he flew up into the stars. It, it, they're adapting Fiery it to something dragon, that we understand, yeah. right? Um, so that's that's it's kind of tricky because, like I said, some of it does uh, I think have very little to hold it together, but there's other that it's very difficult to question, like the flood. There's a lot of different scriptures that write about a flood. That's what they say. And what it suggests is that maybe it wasn't 2,000 years ago. Maybe it was, I don't know, 20,000 years ago. But those stories kept coming back down through the word of mouth because there was no written word back then. Yeah. And then ultimately became what the Bible was. And Because the family of Caesars, they weren't stupid. They adapted astrology. They adapted a lot of the things that were common knowledge. They got the greatest thinkers. The Council of Nicaea was the editing bay for what the book ultimately became. And then I think that it's kind of evident with the... Dead Sea Scrolls, where some of the things kind of contradict, apart from all the contradictions yeah, that it the already had. The whole thing about eliminating certain books, and now you got this apocrypha mm-hmm. that talks about some other people. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, you know. Right. And if you want to follow a lot of that too, uh, there's a documentary called The Secret History of Humanity. It's on YouTube. Sounds familiar, that title. It's kind of like uh, animated. It's, it's <laughs> still shots, but it looks like, how would I say it? Almost like Smurfs. But they have very little features, and they're showing you what the origins of humanity was mm-hmm. through a lot of the, the Atlantis, the Sumeria, the Bible. They adapted everything and put it all together and showed you this is, this is in fact, this is really just what the stories say. And they yeah. make this doc. It's a pretty long one, but it's really fun. I recommend it. Mm. Um, and so... I don't know if you want to keep going with the religion or if you want to start going into more of the UFO stuff. Maybe more toward the UFOs. Okay. Uh, Have you had any experience? I only had one, but it wasn't actual UFO. Mine was just lights in the star and in the sky. Yeah. But they were arranged in. Do you know the um, what is the the tree? The tree of um, is it? Ah, is it called the tree? The tree of. I'm blanking on what it's called. Um, is it Jewish? I think it's a Jewish belief that is, or is it the Kabbalah? It, it's an arrangement of uh, circles. It's almost like chakra points, and it, hmm. it's like a four, and then two, and then uh, and then. Oh, okay. It's almost like an eight shape. So you saw several. I saw that. Yes, uh, in the sky. Was it like eight lights or something? How many? More than that. It was oh. probably like uh, twelve or thirteen lights in the sky arranged that way. Wow. And I remember because my brother came out too, and my uncle, and we're all standing there looking up it was almost like the east southern side of the sky and they were just Where there were you at? uh and California my parents in, yeah in la yeah. yeah and uh so all of us saw it and it, it's one of, i don't i see them every now and then there's some nights there's stars that look like they flicker different colors they go from green to red to blue and they just keep doing that mm-hmm. all of those lights were doing that they were all lit up like wow. that um, that's the closest thing I ever had. I had experiences with like ghosts and uh, shadow people. I don't know if you know about those and um, hearing things and just simple things like that. And he, although I've had experiences like that, I don't. I couldn't say that I 100% believe in those. Yeah. But the lights in the sky, I know what I saw. And uh, I'm standing right next to my brother, and I'm like, "Do you see that? Yeah. yeah. Do you see that they're changing color? Yeah. Do you see?" And th- there's no doubt that we saw what we saw. I don't know what they were. 
I guess UFO is a safe way to say because we don't know it, it flies yeah. and we don't know what it is. Um, have you had anything, any strange things like that? Um, my brother Danny and I, we saw one of the were classified as orbs, okay. the white orbs, which are usually seen a lot of times around like crop circle sightings, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And I think what caught our attention as being, you know, well, that's just a, a balloon that a kid let go or something like that is what's been reported about the, the orbs is they stay the same size whether they're near you or far away. One of mm. the strange things about orbs okay. is they, they, it doesn't look smaller when it's farther away. So I don't know wow. if that's some kind of a, um, an aspect of it. Um, and you felt this too? You saw that there was Yeah, no we was. I'm driving and I'm here in L.A. Also, mm -hmm. I was like um, uh, close to Northridge. Okay. And we're driving and he sits, spots at first. And like I said, it, it's moving and it, it's it's like going away from us and then close by, but it never changed size. And that's the unusual thing. And mm -hmm. I remember the, about the orbs because that was an interesting topic I've always liked. Right. I'll tell you more about that related to the second incident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then we finally pull into a Home Depot and we watched it for quite a while. And I was hoping it would do something like very erratic. So it's like, hey, you know, definitely this is weird. Uh -huh. But, you know, it never did anything like this. Okay. Know, so I was like, come on, that would be much more, you know, believable <laughs> right. as to something unusual. So, you know. But I, it was moving. Yeah, it was moving and, it, you know, this kind of thing. But, mm -hmm. you know. How far was it from you? Uh, I mean, it's it was going in and out of clouds, okay. so that kind of gives you, you know, it was a cloud level. Oh, but it was way up in the sky? Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing, you know, that's why when people tell me or you read about a, a sighting where it's just lights, it doesn't excite me too much because I, yeah, it's just not enough there to, to right. you know, grasp your teeth into. Mm -hmm. um, it, was it glowing? Uh, it had an unusual reflection to it. Okay. You know, that's why we were like saying, it doesn't seem to be a balloon. And it doesn't seem to be, you know, it definitely wasn't a plane. It was just but it wasn't like a light bulb that was emitting a bright light? The light was different than other kinds of light. I okay. can't really explain it. It, it. it wasn't like, you know, pulsating, but it was semi-transparent. And again, that was another thing that caught my attention because of being someone who knows about spheres, you mm -hmm. know. Orbs, I should say, not spheres. But, you know, it's just, it's so far away and it's so small and just, you can't really right. tell. You know, it could have been you, so many other things. So have you like, heard hey. of ball lightning? I've heard that as an explanation. Uh -huh. I haven't there. been a believer in it because I, re I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, that Hynek said he made up swamp gas when he was researching UFOs, uh -huh. J. Allen Hynek. Okay. He, was, he was hired by the government to research all this UFO stuff. Okay. And he admits in one of his later UFO books, he said, I made up swamp gas. <laughs> okay. I would tell people, oh, you didn't see that UFO over that lake. That was just swamp gas. Oh, and okay. I thought that he also mentioned ball lightning as being extremely rare, but that he would claim it happened a lot more often than it did Okay. to write off UFO cases too. Mm -hmm. So... I have trouble believing in a ball lightning concept, uh -huh. especially when they use it to explain a light that's lasting a long time. You know, because right. when I think of lightning, I think of, you know, the lightning we're used mm -hmm. to seeing. You right. know, it's an immediate and it's gone. Uh -huh. Not like, oh, this, like that's a ball lightning. <laughs> no, that's a light right. bulb. So 
I, well, I, not only that, but I've heard accounts where these orbs actually go through physical walls. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't see how ball lightning would do that because yeah. we have resistance right. all around us. So it right. would be affected. I somehow. have I have UFO video stuff where there'll be some, you know, uh, skeptic debunker. I actually should say debunker more often. Uh-huh. Skeptic, you know, that has a bad name, but it really isn't. It's just like you said, you know, I'm questioning stuff. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But there's been these debunkers where they say, you know, you can smash two rocks together and it'll create a little spark, and that's oh. what they saw. You know, the okay. the 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 plates, the earth plates were shaking at that time and created a spark. But uh-huh. yeah, like you said, these things don't go through the walls. They don't last this long. Mm-hmm. If that is even possible, it's going to be a quickie little spark, and that's it. Right. So, but aside from that, you know, that little incident, seeing that little ball in the sky. Um, I went to England to check out the crop circles. Okay. 2002, I think I went. Okay. And I was in a crop circle that had been created maybe five days earlier because mm-hmm. I camped out in this area that where it was next to a lot of crop circles that happened. And so it was, I mean, sun starting to go down and I wanted a picture of myself in this crop circle. Okay. I traveled by myself, and I, you know, I made some new friends when I was there. So anyway, I take off my jacket, I prop it, I prop it, the camera on top of the jacket, and I, you know, set the timer, and I run over, and I'm in this crop circle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't remember seeing anything, but when I developed the picture, and I should have brought the photo, but it, sometimes I, I can't remember where I've put it. There's all these balls of these these spheres, these oh. orbs are around me okay. in this photograph. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is. These don't show up on the picture before, don't show on the picture after. Like people say, oh, it's just a development problem. So you took plenty of pictures and this yeah, one? Yeah, this roll of film. You know, okay. I had taken pictures before that photograph. I took it ones after. And it's not a development problem. Was there fog or moisture in the air at all? Not that I remember. Okay. England does have that kind of weather where mm-hmm. it can change so drastically. Okay. But a little on the chilly side. But, mm-hmm. you know, I took off the jacket for the photo. Mm-hmm. But these fears, very similar to the ones that have been reported, very similar to the photographs that other people have done. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. And it's, it's been reported that the person that the spheres are around, I keep saying spheres, they call them more like orbs. Okay. But they are circular, obviously. Mm-hmm. That um, the person that the orbs are around doesn't see them. It's always someone like farther away, like, whoa, dude. <laughs> okay. Or mechanical machines will pick them up, you know, a camera or a mm-hmm. video camera, stuff like that. Okay. But a lot of times the actual person that's being surrounded by them doesn't seem like, I don't, and even if you point, point it out, you know, for me, it was after the fact. But okay. there's been a lot of cases where someone will say like, hey, there's, there was these balls of light around you. So I didn't see them, you know. Okay. So that was the only other thing, but I haven't had any... You know, good juicy stories. Did you so. feel sick at all? Because I've heard accounts where they f- sense radiation in not crop that circles. I remember. You okay. Know, when you camp out in England and you're not very good at camping, <laughs> you're always <laughs> cold and you feel sick. But right, you know, I don't recall anything unusual happening. Okay. But just to have that photographic evidence was kind of neat, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Right. And you know, if we do talk about crop circles later, you know, I'll tell you my take on them. Okay. But. um yeah, I've been interested. I've, I've, 
I came, gosh, I was at a uh, party celebration and um, it was it was at a public restaurant and the table I'm at is next to this other table where this guy and his girlfriend are talking to this other couple and I overhear the guy saying about he's having these UFO experiences, okay. these, these encounters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like... Hell no. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is like a, a topic I'm really interested uh-huh. in. And he he said like, you know, I go to this one area where I chop wood or he does something. It's kind of in this wilderness area a little mm-hmm. bit. And he says, I see them pretty much on a regular basis. I'm oh. like, you got to take it. <laughs> uh-huh. And I never followed up on it. Can you believe that? I mean, oh. I could just kill myself. He <laughs> gave me his email and somehow I, I misplaced it. And I mean, I don't... I remember I didn't want to act kind of like, oh, yeah, let's go tomorrow, you know? (laughs) So I I purposely like, well, I'll I'll wait like a week or two, and then Mm -hmm. I'll contact him casually. Because, you know, he was a little hesitant. You're a total stranger. I'm giving you my email. but And I I tried to, like, keep it low-key so he wouldn't think I was some fanatic or, Uh you know, crazy man. Right. And then somehow, I don't know if that was right around the time where my mom got sick really bad or whatever, but... You know, misplaced it and ah, oh, I just like was I could like I said I could just kill myself oh, or man. not following up on it because mm-hmm. he was he seemed to be willing to like hey you know but it I'll was talk out here or in Europe it was yeah. it was right there on Ventura Boulevard oh um, near uh, near Laurel Canyon and some like restaurant there okay and that and he you know he lived in the area mm-hmm. and he would go I forgot where he said he would go to you know like I said he would um do some hiking or something. Okay. And he said he's had these encounters to the point where he could almost summon them. You know, he almost like had a mental connection with them. He seemed very sincere and he, you know, he wasn't bragging about it. He, he was more like, you could tell he was a little scared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have like, at least he didn't remember having an abduction because a lot of these people, they don't recall being abducted right. and you find out later they were. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, that I would see these things. I would be here doing some hiking or taking my lunch break from hiking. And then this thing would land over here. I'm like, dude, whoa. And he says, yeah, like every other time I go there, I see something. Oh, man, you got to (laughs) take. But I I tried to, you know, not be too excited because then he would have thought I was crazy or something. That's interesting because um, from what I notice on a lot of the accounts that I'm hearing on the podcast I gave you, it seems that most of the stories that we get are of the people that the whatever the brain erasing memory thing is yeah. when that didn't go right. Like yeah. a lot of times they they wake up during the abduction, they look over and they notice who they're being taken by. Yeah. And the aliens are shocked themselves. They're kind of like, "Whoa, this guy's awake." And then yeah. they do something like and they do knock him out again. On him. Right. Yeah. So whatever it is, it seems that the it did, just didn't work. Right. Or they know that that and that might tie into the men in black thing. That for those that the the erasing didn't really work, let's go scare them into not talking about it. Right. And or let's just go check out how much they really do remember. And it seems that maybe a lot of us do have experiences like that and we just don't remember. Because oh, I would imagine there's got to be a ton of those. You mm-hmm. know? Right. People, they, they have an inkling that something weird happened or some little weird thing pops up in their dreams, you know, like every 
every few nights and they wonder that's a little strange why am I dreaming about that kind of thing right or why did I wake up scared or but yeah. I was gonna mention to you if you'd seen Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon no actually I have it they uh, told me great, to buy it and I love I'll it. Watch I, it it's one of my favorite films okay. but there is this part where he stumbles across something he's not supposed to and they're like oh shoot <laughs> okay not alien but it's similar um I'm trying to think. There was something else that really opened my mind. Um, Live, Die, Repeat, I believe they changed mm-hmm. the name to. That that um, kind of explored a whole... Tom Cruise, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it wasn't really... Like a alien, time but, travel but, concept or well, what? Because if you think about that movie, um, I, I really, obviously, I like exploring all these uh, fringe yeah. ideas. And... It did touch touch on an interesting topic. Right. If you think about it, they're talking about a a creature that uh, time is irrelevant to itself. It's almost like it it could time travel as well. Now that's right. The creature controlled all that. Right. Now, the way that the... the, um, What Trump Cruise is experiencing is explained almost like if we're a virus that infected that creature. Because you're stuck in a loop repeating your day over and over and you're able to remember the events that happened, but now you can redo it with that knowledge. So you just keep repeating till you finally defeat it. Mm. It's almost like a video game. You have infinite lives and you just have enough time and lives to figure out how to defeat the boss and then you ultimately just beat him and you win the game if it was almost uh if it was recorded then the event that actually got written in history is the final one so it just it doesn't see you dying over and over it just sees you knowing and defeating that monster in the end right like with any time travel scenario it's whatever the newest event that took place is what rewrites whether it's another alternate universe or it's uh, uh, a modification to your current existence Mm -hmm. it's still something that's being overlapped over what it used to be before Um, I need to watch that movie again and give it more respect because that is a very uh, intellectual Mm -hmm. storyline you know to, to think like that and there's and another. The only other movie that comes to mind that was very daring like that was Matrix. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, we are actually, you know, in this game, almost uh-huh. like a video game. They make us believe in all this stuff. Right. And actually, we're in this little pod. What's the other one with Jake Gyllenhaal, where he? Is that the Johnny Darko or something? Or... No. Okay. After that, because I was going to say I never saw that one. Because it, it. it's another one, and if I can't think of the name, just look up Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's one of his most recent. Um, I can't give away too much, but it's kind of the same scenario where he keeps uh, reliving a certain event. But his job is to, the event is a terrorist attack. Mm. His job is to relive that event over and over so that he can figure out who the terrorists are. So that in our world, he can, uh, they can go arrest them and stop them from Mm. doing the next event. My brother Um, didn't mention it to me about mm -hmm. that movie. And because I remember he said that they... Source code. Source code? I believe that's the name. They said that it reminded a lot of people of a certain Twilight Zone that was written once. Where oh. the guy relives over and over or something. Okay. Um, here, I'll stop this one here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.